Bless you, Rose. Welcome, everyone. He's doing good. Hear me okay? Awesome. It's an honor to be with you. God is good, amen? God is good, amen? Amen. I, um, <clears throat> just, just to recap, yeah, there are other people in the building, so we start a little bit earlier than them downstairs. So as we go, just be wary because our voices echo through the hallway because all tiles there, so we don't want to upset anyone. And um, so you just be wary of that. But other than that, we want you to fellowship with one another. Um, this is a body, a family. Families have fellowship, amen? So today I'm sitting here, standing before you, but I'm here really with you to hear what the Spirit of Grace has to say to us, amen? So for the next couple of weeks leading up to Easter, and it wasn't a plan, but it just so happens to be Easter in a couple of weeks. We're meeting at Easter, yeah, on Sunday. So the next couple of weeks, um, I'll be sharing on Sunday, um, going through the, the uh, Isaiah 53. It was amazing because I was speaking to Chris on Wednesday and um, just about what I wanted to do today and going forward. And then Rabs finishes with Isaiah 53 on Wednesday. And it was just like we looked at each other and the Holy Spirit is amazing. So we're going to go through Isaiah 53. But in a way, I, I want to share it in a way because if you've been in the church circles for a while, <clears throat> or for, for as long as I have, you'll hear Isaiah 53 a lot. When someone gets sick, you'll get a scripture, by his stripes we are healed. Uh, when Easter comes, you'll hear this a lot, Isaiah 53, about Jesus. But I want to sort of get into this a little bit differently because it's easy to quote a scripture, but what do we believe? And the beginning of Isaiah just says that straight away. So we're going to read the whole, I'm not going to preach on the whole of Isaiah today, so the next two to three weeks we'll go through it all. But I want to share the beginning, but we're going to read the whole lot of Isaiah. And for those who are new and haven't read it or haven't seen it, um, it'll be the first time that you hear it. Now, Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. And I'll just give you a bit of a backdrop. Isaiah was prophesying the doom and gloom of Israel, that they'll go into captivity by the Babylonians. And there was a lot of, a lot of stuff going on, famines, earthquakes, all that sort of stuff. And, and uh, Isaiah 52, he starts to change this situation. He starts to talk about, here comes some good news. Um, and it was true. Some of this judgment that was coming upon Israel because of their disobedience and they'd fall into the hands of evil kings. But in Isaiah 52, leading to 53, he starts to tell you, but I've got a report to tell you. I've got some good news to tell you. Are you willing to receive it? Then he talks about Isaiah 53 and we'll, and we'll read that. And there's some good news there. So we'll go to Isaiah 53. I think we're going to put it up on the screen. And we'll read it from the screen. So who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comingness or beauty, another word for that. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. There's nothing attracted about him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid as if were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All are like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from a prison and from judgment, and who will declare his, to this generation, his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken. And they made him a grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was put, put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And therefore, I will divide him among the portions of the great, and I shall divide um, the spores with the strong, because he poured out his soul into death. He has numbered with the transgressors. He was born in a sin of many and made intercession for the transgressor. That's it. You tried to trick me there, put some lines in there. But this guy's a fraud, but he knew it. We can go through that systematically. This is a prophet that spoke 600 years before Christ. Who is that who they're talking about there? Doesn't mention Jesus' name, doesn't mention the Son of God, but it talks about, in hindsight for us, we can look back at that and say, that's Christ. I've actually read that scripture or that whole passage to people that don't even read their Bibles. I said, who's that? Because that's Jesus. Because you know what that was in the Bible? He goes, no. He goes, that's in the Old Testament. For someone who doesn't even read the Bible, you worked it out like that. Because we got hindsight. We're seeing this after the cross. We're seeing what Isaiah spoke about. Now, Isaiah 53 is very common in the Christian world. We talk about the prophecy of Jesus, the most common one that we use. But to the Jewish faith, they don't read this because they don't want to read it. Sometimes they hide it from their people. Because it actually stirs up the pot. The Orthodox Jews won't go anywhere near this. Christians even debate what this really means. Some people believe that, some scholars believe that's talking about Israel and all the stuff they've been through, the physical Israel. Some believe that it's Jesus. When we quote by his stripes we are healed, some people debate even that. But the word of the Lord, but tonight I want to, I don't want to go through all of it because we could talk about so much of this. It's an exciting passage. But we'll go to verse 1 again for me. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is what we're going to talk about tonight. Who has believed our report? In other words, I'm about to tell you something, but are you willing to receive it? See, what report have you believed? And I was saying, sharing with my wife. Reports are information translated to you. Like you get the reporters and the news, they write down stuff. You get... In a report of any information, you might get a report from the doctor and, you know, you might get, I mean, I used to get my report cards from school and I used to hide them from my mum. And when I had to show her, I had to explain what a D meant and E and F because I never got A, Bs or Cs. So I told my mum D means determination. E means, uh, what did I say E means again? Extraordinary. She goes, what is the F for? I go, Fantastic. <laughs> Till I got found out. And she got this. Uh, what does this stand for? <laughs> but I used to hide the report because I didn't want her to see the report. See, I can tell her I'm smart, but you know, you can't con your parents, can you? 
But this report that Isaiah is talking about and God is sharing is, I'm going to share something with you. There's, there's going to be a redeemer for Israel. And we know he's the redeemer for the whole world. He's coming. But are you going to believe it? Because what we're going to about to tell you is doesn't sit right with all your theology, your philosophy and what you think. See, the Jewish people in the time of Jesus saw this man. He was a great teacher. And they would ask him. They're trying to challenge him. They're trying to trap him. They were getting, you know, um, Rab spoke about envy. They were envious of him. They wanted to kill him. He, was, he walked in signs and wonders. He taught like, who is this man? Isn't he the carpenter's son? Isn't he Mary's son? Where did he get all this knowledge from? And he taught about these things and he did all these miracles and, 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 and had people following him. But what report are you going to believe? See, we can quote Isaiah 53, by his stripes we're healed. But if we don't believe the full report, all we're doing is quoting a scripture. But unless we believe and then receive. So what faith comes by? Hearing by the word of? We'll go there. We'll go to Romans 10. I know I jumped, I jumped it, but it's Romans 10. And chapter 14. I want to read this in this context. It is. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we sit in the, when people say, I want to sit around faithful people, that's awesome. A man might have the ability to heal the sick and raise the dead. But if you sit with him long enough, you're going to feed on what he knows and what he believes. See, some people want to find out the anointing on someone, but you can never transfer that anointing to you. People can lay hands on you and anoint you in what God's called you to do. But people want to, no, no, but see, faith comes by hearing. Are you with me? See, here it says, How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard of? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Next verse. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring good tidings of the good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says... Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say they have not heard. Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and he says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. He's talking about Israel rejecting the gospel. And he's saying, but we need to give them a chance to hear it because we need someone to tell them about who to believe on. See, no one here is here because you just got plucked out of the sky. You heard the word. Whether it was you, you, you went off your parents' faith, where you grew up in a community of faith, whether you walked into a church and heard the testimony of someone, or someone preached the word. But there's a place in us that needs to bow the knee. Remember, we talked about the robe last week. There's a place in us that needs to bow and believe to receive. Amen? See, when they say Thomas was a doubter, that's the translator's translation. Why didn't they say Peter and John and James or, or doubters when Mary went to the tomb? She goes, oh, he's risen. He goes, we don't believe you. You're a woman. So we ran down. But then when Thomas doubted, oh, doubt, he didn't doubt, no different than anyone else. But Thomas says, unless I touch his hands and see the nails in his feet, I can't believe on your revelation. See, too many Christians are doing secondhand faith. They're living off someone else's revelation. And you need to get your own revelation. 
See, it's about you. See, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess Jesus as Lord. Are you with me? So tonight I want to share with you a few little stories so you can believe. In, I haven't got it in my notes. Don't go there. But John, John 6, it says, Lord, what are, what are the works we must do? The works of God. He says, believe in me. Believe in me. See, people say, I've got faith. Beautiful. People say, I believe. So faith comes. But faith is trust. See, when I got saved, I could believe for casting out devils like that because I just got power with the Holy Ghost hit me. and I got born again and my whole life radically changed. But then when it came to certain things in my life, like, you know, um, uh, finances or, you know, certain areas of my life that hadn't been submitted to the Lord, I had faith for it in my mind and I knew the scriptures for it, but I didn't trust that God would provide. It wasn't that I didn't trust God. It was, just that it was a place in me that hadn't been submitted or died yet so Christ can make manifest in my life. And that's a process. You know, we come out of different backgrounds. You know, people come out of good relationships, bad relationships, and all these things that we, we accumulate. As you know, you talk about people in the Lord 20, 30 years, and they're saying, yeah, but you don't know my upbringing. I said, but at what point are you going to believe that Jesus set you free? Oh, but you don't know what I've been through. Yeah, but you've been through it. I'm not denying what's happened to you. We've all been through something. But at what point do we say, I believe the true report that Jesus has made all things new? That my faith and trust is in him. I'm going to walk that out in the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got this misconception that you get anointed and the Holy Spirit is going to do the walking for you. I'm sorry. Christ already done the victory for us at Calvary. Amen. And we live out of the victory at Calvary, but you need to walk. You need to stand. Okay, what did the Lord say about this situation in my life? So what report am I going to believe? What report are you going to believe? John chapter 12. John chapter 12. See, people, I believe people, and this is what God spoke in my heart from day one, that there's a revival coming on this earth that's going to match, and if not exceed the book of Acts. That's God's promise. But he's waiting for people to house that revival. See, many revivals, I've studied a lot of different revivals and that, and the man of God comes in and sets a fire of revival. When he leaves, the arrival the revival lives with him. And God wants to birth something in our heart. He wants to revive us. Now, revival doesn't just mean signs and wonders because they're the byproduct of what Jesus does naturally, amen? But the revival is the revival of transformation in our hearts. So we look for a revival, but then here we're looking for transformation, reformation in a city. We want to have a revival like Nineveh, where Jonah did not want to go there. All the Assyrians said, Amen. Couldn't get his hands quick enough up. <laughs> but he, he didn't want to do that. And he ran away from God because he hated them. And he's thinking God's going to save these people, but they're wretched people. They don't deserve to be saved. <laughs> the Ninevites in those days were no equivalent to ISIS now. That's what they say, how wicked those people were. Yet when he preached to them, when he finally got out of the, you know, free Willie's mouth, and he spat him out, he goes, oh, <laughs> someone says, um, I got free will. He goes, he got free Willie. That's what he got. And spat him out. He preached to the, and the king and the whole nation got saved. That's, that's true revival. That's true reformation. And God's looking for a people to believe his report. We're looking for a people that understand. John chapter 12. 
Now, this is talking about Jesus. Although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. See, signs and wonders the Bible talks about is for the non-believer. Do we have a partake in that? Absolutely, because the Bible says signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the gospel. But I'm afraid that we follow signs and wonders and we forget about the one that brings the signs and wonders, which is Jesus. We all want to be anointed, but no one wants to spend time with one who anoints. Are you with me? Next verse. And that the word of Isaiah the prophet, here we go again, might be fulfilled, which he spoke. Lord, who has believed that report? Again. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes and lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. You know, God knows what you want. We as New Testament believers today understand that our victory is from the cross. Oh, do we understand that? Is anyone trying to get saved? You've been saved by the blood of Jesus. Nothing can save you but the blood. When I put my faith and trust in the blood. But now I have to work out my salvation. Not to work it out as in to get to heaven. But my salvation is body, soul and spirit. Now I don't want to be saved just to get to heaven when I live a miserable, wretched life all my life. I won't submit. I won't do nothing to the word of God. I won't read the word of God. So I don't know what report to believe. I just know I've been saved. That's 30-fold. But God says there's 30, 60, and 100-fold. There's the outer court, the inner court, the inner, and the holy of holies. There's little children, there's young men, there's old men. There's the good, there's the acceptable, there's the perfect will of God. I, I, we in the Western world look at corporate ladders. I want to climb that ladder. I want to climb that ladder with God. I want to raise right. No, 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 no. It's a yielding. You know, you know when the Bible says, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit? For many years, I just took that as a face value. I might leak sometimes. I can't leak the Holy Spirit. Oh, I might, I might suppress the Holy Spirit just to keep getting filled. But the word in that, when I found out recently, it has nothing to do with filling like a bottle of water. So if I was drinking this bottle and I give it to my wife, she continually fills it. So it's, it's, this talks about filling a bottle, yeah? But the word in, in, in I think, in access to being continually filled is let your wind, it's, it's talking about a sail on a boat. And when the wind fills the sail, it pushes you along. And he says, be continually filled with the wind of God or the anointing of God or the power of God so you can keep walking and flowing in God. Like a sail on a boat. When the sails are up, the wind pushes it to where it's supposed to go. It's not about, oh, I've got to fill myself. It's about yielding and letting the, the breath of God flow through you. See, in John, he talks about signs and wonders came. They didn't believe. But faith comes by hearing him in the word. I want to share this story with you in 2 Kings. Because of the limited time we have, I'm not rushing, but I just want to get this across to you. You in your life, as a Christian, you'll find many reports. If you're writing notes down, write this down. Religion will snuff out the anointing. Relationship will get you the anointing. Religion will snuff out the anointing. It will put to death what God's trying to do. But relationship is a free gift from the Father to you as a son and as a daughter. Unless a man dies, he'll not produce much fruit. If I die, guess what? Christ lives in me. The more I die to self, Christ lives in me. And we can get really caught up in the dead things of God. 
But God did this time has gone past, yeah, but he's doing a new thing. Oh, but I want to be attached to the old thing. Oh, we used to do it this way, and, 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 and revival happened, and, and we used to worship this way, and we used to read the Bible this way. And, I was, and listen, they're all great, but until you, if you're attached to a dead piece of meat, the Bible says that's unlawful to touch anything that's dead. You defile yourself. And God's saying, let go of that dead piece. Of, you know, you might have great traditions, but traditions holding you back from the things of God. That's dead and it's holding you back. You might have great um, values in ideology of th things that you used to do family-wise, and you're holding on to those things for the family. And God's saying, but I want to do a new thing. I want to do a new thing. It's not that what we're doing, it, it's wrong. It just means that the things of the past can hold you back. But he says, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. It's very important not to go back and hold on to something that God's already killed. Bible says, new wine does not flow into an old wineskin. We can talk about it all day. You can't have a relationship with the dead move of God. We have to get the wind in our sails to move with God. See, God moves, we've got to move with Him. You know, when it comes to the supernatural, we have so messed it up that people have thrown everything out. The old saying, they threw the baby out with the bathwater. Some bloke, some wacko got it wrong, and he trying to cast out devils on people that didn't have devils. And what happens? They threw the whole ministry out. I'm here to tell you, 19 years in the Lord, I've seen more demons come out than anything else. And I'm going to tell you now, it's, it's for the power of the Holy Spirit to set someone free. It's not a show. I've been in a room, I said, you know what? Out of the 20 people in the room, I would have picked 10 people that had a demon and it was the one that I didn't think the most had the demon. Now, I want to promote that. What I'm trying to say is when the anointing walks into the room, people get set free. I don't make any excuse for the anointing of God. Not one bit. I got pulled aside by my pastors many years ago saying, oh, this is going too far. I said, you know what? I don't look for them. I don't chase them. But if they're going to get set free by the anointing, I'm not making any apologies for it. I'm never going to apologize for the move of God in someone's life. But sometimes you can hang on to the old dead things of the dead limbs, the, 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 the former things, just to justify yourself. But God's saying, I want to do a new thing. He says, I've got a new report for you to believe in. Who wants to be free tonight? Who's sick and tired of going around the same merry-go-round? So you've got to understand whether it's you or whether it's the enemy. See, in the old days, and I'm putting my hand up in this, I've tried to cast out devils out of people and it was their flesh. They had to renew their mind. They had to sit on the solid teaching. And some people were trying to train in behavior modification and they had a demon. And we need to have a discernment of the Holy Spirit. But my belief is that if you're consistently searching out the heart of God, because here in John it says, they didn't even seek for me and they found me. In the other scripture. They weren't looking for me, but I went and got them. To provoke who? Them to jealousy. To provoke the Jew to jealousy. You know that we've been grafted into Abraham's covenant? Come on, let's just place there just to say amen. We've been grafted in. We've got this beautiful gift. We weren't part of the covenant. People tried to put you back under the law. We were never under the law. We were never under the blessings of Abraham, uh, uh, Moses, the covenant. People like to bring all these scriptures up and say, we weren't part of that covenant. We weren't Jews. Why are you putting me back under a curse? But we're under the curse of Adam. Let's not get the two mixed up. And God's saying there's a better report here. There's a power of God that's going to flow through us because of what Jesus did at the cross. Amen? Second Kings, we're there already. 
I'm going to not go through the whole lot, but I want to share something. This really spoke to my heart. Here, in this situation, Elisha was an understudy to Elijah, the prophet. Elijah, in the Arabic or in the Aramaic, is Elias. And he was the one that fought Jezebel. Fought Ahab, killed their priest, and Jezebel came after him. We know him? Okay. Elisha was his understudy. And God took Elijah off this earth in a chariots of fire and he gave Elisha a double portion of what he had. Now, Elijah to the Jewish culture and to us is the highest ranking prophet we have because it talks about him coming back before the Messiah and Jesus says that John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, which he came back and you know, we've studied that. Here, Elisha is in now in this part of the world in Samaria. Now, what's happened here is this. They're under captivity now. They're surrounded by the Syrians. Some translation says Armenians. I haven't worked out why. One says Syria, one says Armenia. But they might have been together at the time. Either way, any Syrians or Armenians here? You're the problem here. Anyway, so let's just leave it at that. You guys are the problem. And now you've now surrounded the city. <laughs> I'm joking. We love you, the first Christians, Armenia. Anyway. I'm joking. I'll stop there. <laughs> they're surrounded. There's a famine in the land and they're starving. And they're spending, like, in those days, they were that broke. And I don't want to go into it because there's young kids here, but they got that bad that they were eating their own. That's how much they were starving. They were paying 80 shekels or 80 pieces of silver for a donkey's head to eat. They were buying uh, dung. My wife's here, I know how to say the other word because if I say I get in trouble, you know, poo shit, you know that, oh, yeah. Um, from, a, from a dove, from a pigeon. They were buying it to eat, that's how starving. And here, the king, who's a corrupt, sinful person for Israel, blamed Elisha and blamed God. So basically, he was attacking Elisha, but he was actually pointing his finger at God. They're the chosen people, but they were in rebellion. And here, Elisha says, now, first, before he gets there, the king sends someone, so for the sake of time, he sends someone, a learned man, so one of the king's right-hand men, to go and seek Elijah and say, basically, we're going to kill you. It's your fault. He comes to him now, and this is what he says, the word of the Lord came to Elisha. Hear the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, which means it's like a dime or a dollar or a cent. It's all for a shekel and two seeds for a barley for the shekel at the gate of Samaria. Next verse. So an officer whose his hand, the king learned, answered the man of God and said, look, and this has been a smart aleck at the moment. He says, look, if the Lord would open up the windows of heaven, could this thing be? In other words, God has to open up the whole of heaven and rain down all this flour and bread in order to eat. In other words, he was mocking the prophet. Look, if the Lord would make the windows in heaven, could this be a thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. You know, some people get a promise from God. You might have had a promise from God in your life and you've mocked it because you think that can never happen. You might not have mocked it openly, but you might have said to your heart, that can't be true. But someone's got to understand this, that when God makes a promise, he keeps his promises. When he makes a covenant, he doesn't break it. We break our end. He never breaks his end. Are you with me? Next verse. And now there were four lepers, men at 
the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we, sh we shall die there. And if we sit there, we will die also. Now, therefore, come and let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. Before you go next first. So they got four lepers. Now, let me give you a backdrop. Israel is supposed to be the chosen people. They've got a king and they're hiding behind the walls. These lepers are outside the kingdom. They're outside the gates because they're lepers. They're outcasts now. They're diseased. And the only food they get is whatever the scraps get thrown over the fence. In other words, the rubbish tip of there, of that Sumerian village, where they throw it out and they eat all the scraps. But all of a sudden, there's no food. There's no more rubbish. They can't eat. They've got leprosy. They're outside the covenant. Of the, of the kingdom, sorry, I should say. They're outcasts. There's four of them. Do you think that their report would be worse than the guy that came and told Elisha? You think their report, well, well, look at us. We're doomed forever. But look what happens. Something arises in these guys. They start talking to each other. And he says, let's go to the camp. And they go down at, at, at twilight. Next verse. And for the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses the noise of the great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the Vegemites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. And therefore they arose and fled at twilight and they left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. Here we are, these four men shuffling their feet with leprosy. I can show you what the Lord showed me about this when I was reading it. But they're going, they said, okay, we've got nothing to lose. In other words, we're going to dare to believe here. One way or another, we're going to cark it. So let's just cark it there or cark it here. But we're going to die somewhere. But maybe we can raise a bit of hope. And they walk there. And look what God does. He takes that little bit of faith. Because they've had promises that God would rescue them. Everyone else is hiding. These four lepers that have been thrown outside. Now they say, you know what? Let's go and see what happens. If we make it or we don't, God is still God. What about the Hebrew slaves? They put them in the fire. If God saves us, well, he doesn't save us. He is still God. And by faith, they walk to this place. What does God do? He makes it sound like there's chariots. There's a thousand man army coming. And these guys do a runner and they leave everything and they run for their lives. Look what they find there. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into the tent and ate and drank. They carried for them silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. So they're hiding their stuff to come back and get it for later. It's awesome. The wealth of the wicked was laid down for the just. And then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. Where have you heard that before? Good news. And we remain silent. How many people have received the good news of Jesus and remain silent? Jesus is just for me. I'm not an evangelist. I can't talk to people. Yeah. Is that true? You can preach the gospel without saying a word. But your heart has to be, I've received something good. I can't hide it like the light, hide under a, a bushel. He says here, we, we remain silent. If we want, if we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Therefore, come and let us go and tell the king's household. 
So they went and called the gatekeepers of the city and told them, saying, we went to the Syrian camp and surprisingly no one was there. Not a human sound, only horses, donkeys are tied and the tents are intact. And the gatekeepers called out and they told it to the king's household inside. So the king arose in the night and said to the servants, let me know, let me now tell you what the Syrians have done. See, they didn't believe their report. These four outcasts, these lepers, these, these, these people that aren't worthy to even talk to us, these sinners, these people outside the blessings of God are telling us a report. We don't want to believe it. He says, That's, I know what they've done. They know that we are hungry. Therefore, they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And one of the servants answered and said, please let several men take five of the remaining horses which are left in the city. Look, they, have, may, they may enter, uh, either become like all the multitude of Israel that are left in it, or indeed, I say, they may become like all the multitude of Israel left from those who are consumed. So let us send them and see. In other words, go and see what's going on. Let's see what they're saying is true. Therefore, they took two chariots with horses and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army saying, go and see. And they went and after them to the Jordan, and indeed all the road was full of garments, weapons which the Syrians have thrown away in their haste. So the messenger returned and told the king. Then the people went out to the, and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a seer of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a, she- a shekel, according to the word of the Lord, came from Elisha. And now the king had appointed the officer of those who handed to, he learned to have charge over the gate, but the people trampled him in the gate and he died, just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came unto him. It's a lot, of, a lot there, eh? A good report and a bad report. One from the Lord and one from what they could see. See, your situation might be based on what you're seeing. What you're saying and what you're believing is based on what you're seeing in front of you now. See, we've come through the last two years of havoc. People lost their jobs. People aren't working. People, a lot of things, they've consumed us. Now we've got petrol prices, $2.20. We're in a type of, uh, they're extorting us in a sense. Inflation has gone through the roof. There's a lot going on, but what report are you going to believe? Is it the report of the Lord where he says, I will provide all your needs according to my riches and glory? Or are you according to the government? To your job? Here, these lepers go and find out the spoils. And they go and they raid the whole thing. And then they said, but we're doing something wrong here. We need to go and tell everyone the good news of what's just happened. See, our job is to tell the good news that God hasn't lost control. But he's waiting for a people to believe his report and build faith so we can go and conquer this city. See, our city needs to be conquered. Amen? Are you with me? See, this city... Of the, of the Israelites, I was surrounded. They had no choice. But who's going to believe our report? We just read in John. Who's going to believe our report? We read in Romans. Who's going to believe? What do you believe? And what are you hanging on to from the past that doesn't allow you to move forward? I can't tell you. Only you know. In Amos chapter 8 and verse 11, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but the hearing of the words of the Lord. It's not about, we're living in a time and place now that there's no, there's no famine for the word of God. 
He's talking about bread in here. It's not about food, yeah? But we're coming in the time where the Word of God has been preached, but there's a hearing of the Word. There's a famine in your hearing. In Judah, it says, in the last days, they'll gather themselves teachers to only hear what their itching ears want to hear. See, some people only listen to people that they agree with. Some people don't want to hear truth. You see, you read further in, the, in that story in Kings, he says that the king would, said, give me the exploits of Elisha. In other words, tell me the, the, the miracles he's done, signs and wonders again. But he says, he didn't ask him what did he teach or what did he say? Because the king didn't want to get convicted about his sin nature, his sin, sin qualities, that it was his fault that they were in captivity. He doesn't want to hear that. He's going to say, so what are the works that he did? What are the miracles that he did? See, we're, that's what Jesus said. They saw the signs and wonders, but they didn't believe. Are you with me? And we're going to be a people that needs to believe. Isaiah 50, 53, we read it. It talks about Jesus. It talks about the manifestation, how he grew up, and what he went through, and what he died for. Can we go to Isaiah 53 on the last verse? I want to show you something to our, our lovely brothers and sisters. I want to put this to rest now. And those listening online, I want to put you to rest. Therefore, I will divide him. A portion among the great. The portion among the great. And he shall divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgression. And he bore the sins of many. And this is the verse I want you to listen to. And. Everyone say and. Now you can repeat it Roman. And. Made. Who's making intercession for our, us breaking the law? Who's that talking about there, Isaiah 53? Who? So who's making intercession for us? Who's interceding for us? Who's already done that intercession for us? Who died on the cross for us? Who rose again for us? Who's sitting at the right hand of the Father for us? There is no one that you call on but to call on the name of Jesus. There's no one. There's no one outside Him. And I don't care how great that person was, you can call on to be saved. Because he's the one that bores our iniquity. He's the one that intercedes for us. What does he mean by intercession? He's the one that stands in the gap for us. So when someone accuses me, the blood of Jesus rises up and says, no, I've already paid for that. Hallelujah. That's the report I believe. What do you believe? What are you looking for? Are you looking for the next best hype? Because there's better preachers than me and Rabbi. You know, there's a lot better eloquent speakers than us. There's probably more anointed people than us. But what are you looking for? See, I look for truth. And if the truth, uh, if I can receive truth and I'm not walking in truth, I want to know why I'm not walking in that truth. Because the truth will make me free. Not going to the next best thing. I used to say to the Lord, Lord, give me revelation. So he did, and then but I didn't change. But my revelation was good to share it with everyone. Praise God. And one day the Lord spoke to me and says, your, your revelation that I've given you hasn't transformed you. Well, wow, so my revelation has to, ex my, my transformation has to exceed my revelation. Otherwise, it's information. Adam went from revelation and when he sinned to information. We've gone from information to revelation. Jesus said, the son of man, what did he say when he'd be lifted up? And he says, angels would ascend and descend. He didn't say descend and ascend. He said, ascend. Angels will ascend. Speaking about messengers, angels are called messengers. Messengers are called 
you and I, preachers, we can go up into the heavens now because the windows have opened to receive revelation and bring it back down. That's why he says, when the Son of Man be lifted up, I'll open up the windows of heaven. I'm the door. He talks about a window here. Old Testament talks about a window. New Testament talks about a door. We can walk in. Window, you can look out. But a door, you can walk through. What do you believe? What report are you going to believe? Because you've got to remember something. We have an enemy that wants to stir the pot. We have an enemy who's got some strategies out there. He's been watching mankind for 7,000 years. He knows how we tick. But we know that we stand here in the victory of what Jesus did. We tell him his fate. I know we, we, we grew up in the Pentecostal circles, you'll say rebuking devils, I'll bind your devils, curse the devil. But the Bible says that the archangel, when they're fighting over the body of Moses, didn't bring a reproach. He says, may the Lord rebuke you. I don't need to pick a fight that I don't need to be involved in. And some of us are picking fights that we shouldn't be picking. I'm not scared of him. He's been defeated. But I'm not going to put my hand in the lion's den for no reason. A lot of people, I've seen a lot of brothers and sisters get taken out. And I'm telling you, taken out physically and spiritually because they went to a place they shouldn't be going. They got consumed by certain aspects and then they fall away. Now, we've all fallen away. We've all backslidden. But I'm talking about people that stop believing truth now. And they've lost the report. We need to understand that we're a people. This group. See, I want to say something about he sent his word ministries. None of us here are perfect, but I tell you what, I believe the report that Jesus has set us free. I believe the report that we're not going to backslide. I believe the report that the famine will come and things will get taken off us and we'll still serve him. We'll still praise him. We'll still worship him. It doesn't matter the circumstances, what I got or what I don't got. I want to serve him. He's my every bit. He's my be all and end all. No matter what, hell or high water will come upon you. But do you still call him Lord? Do you still serve him? Do you still love him? Do you still worship him? Do you still praise him? That's the question I got for you. I could not care what anyone thinks about me family, friends, boss. I had, a, I had a lady come up to me. Oh, I saw you on YouTube the other day. I thought it was that incident at the court. And um, I'm thinking, she's a lady that gives me a lot of work. I went, oh, and I went to explain myself. Like, <laughs> I pushed a pregnant woman and all that sort of stuff. But she goes, no, no, I saw you preaching. I went, oh, I got shocked. I went straight to the other one. And I'm thinking, all right, my mind went to, oh, yeah, she blessed me. She's not even a believer. She started watching every week. She gave me a lot of work. Now, two things could have happened. I could have said, I could have explained myself, this is what we do, you know, no. or I just stand in the comfort knowing that Jesus is in control. Forget what the world says. Oh, but I can't give you any more work because you might push you. See you later. Jesus is my provider, not you. Is Jesus your provider? I have to believe his report. And I, I had other things to say, but I just felt in my spirit, it's about time that some people have to start putting their foot down and make a stand and say, this is what I believe. And I might feed are planted in the good news of the gospel. They don't care what anyone else thinks. Do not care. Because I want to know what he says. I'm going to finish off with this scripture. Now, I didn't plan to say this, but the Holy Ghost put this on my heart. I'm going to find it for you quickly. Um, give me one sec. I'll tell you in a sec. 
It's in John chapter 12, 42 to 43. Can you hear me all right? Got a bit excited before you broke the mic. Hallelujah. So the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking a bit more about Isaiah 53 as we break it down. You're going to see it in the gospel. You're going to see it everywhere. It's a beautiful thing. Now, I want to share this with you. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to here. It's not, I'm not, I'm, but I just want to share this with you. Now, I know we all of us struggle with different parts of our life in different ways and sorts. So I'm not putting anyone down saying, you've got to believe like me or believe like Rabs or believe like Tammy or believe like Julie or believe like, you know, Beck. Everyone's ducking. I want you to believe for yourself because you're the one that's going to get sustained from the Lord. The Lord knows what you need. But, you know, there's a time and a place for everyone to make a stand for their life. See, it's a time that we stood up as a body and as a church to stand up for what is righteous. He says, he, nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Next verse. For they love the praises of men more than the praises of God. Let me narrow it down. It's not just getting praised by God. You don't want to be told off by your family members because of what you believe. Or you don't want to be told off by your other church friends that don't believe like you. Or you want to be, you know, you want to be able to walk your head whole high or not for people to think you're a Jesus freak or a wacko. See, many believed, but they didn't public, they didn't come out publicly. They were scared of getting kicked out of the synagogues. See, some people might get kicked out of their families. I've had, I've had to preach to people that got kicked out of their families. People didn't talk to them for 10 years. Things like all oh, because they stood firm for the gospel. But whatever comes your way, make sure that you believe in him publicly and privately because he died on the cross publicly for us. He didn't die behind a cave in secret. They put him on a cross naked and for us, for you and me, so we can touch him and have eternal life. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to hear this. The more you hide, the more the devil's got you bound, the less of the freedom of God. You're saved going to heaven. I love you. I'm going to see you there. Why would you live your life? He says, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And most believers I know are living a wretched life here on earth. Sometimes not out of their fault, but you have to start believing a report. You have to start fighting for what's rightfully yours. Fighting doesn't mean I'm going to fight. There's a fight where, you know, I'm going to stand firm. It's, it's, it's a fight within yourself to stand firm and believe what God has said about your life. And too many people are wavering, tossed with every wind and doctrine because they're not stable enough to know who Jesus is and what he's done. Can we stand? They asked him, what works of God should we do? They said... You fed the 5,000. We were there. We ate. And you know what he says to them? He says, you're only following me because you ate. Wow. If all you get from God is provision, and he is our provider, please don't misunderstand me. But if it's all about what I own and what I get and how much blessings I get, and that's all I want him for, then you can get that from a genie in a bottle. Yeah, he does give us wonderful things to enjoy. He is our provider. He says, but, all right, Lord, what are we going to do? Show us a sign. He says, a sign. I'll be lifted up. And I'll draw men unto me. That's the sign. That's the only sign we should be looking for. Because everything else should be a byproduct of that. I learned this many years ago. An old mentor said to me, you know, when you get saved and you get excited and you had a touch of the Holy Spirit, and I've seen 
You know, I've seen so much in my 19 years. I've seen miracles. I've seen things that I, I read about. I've seen them. And I've seen God do something through me. And I could, I don't know, I was a bit like those lepers. I might as well give it a go. I've got nothing to lose. It wasn't like I was a man of faith. And God moved. You think, wow, God moved. Remember once we got a phone call, my wife, in the early days, and we weren't into praying and laying on hands at that time because we just didn't know. And got a call, someone had, uh, was pregnant, and they said that the test, the blood test came back, said that person's got, uh, the baby's got one in 12 chance of being Down syndrome. And the doctor says, go home and work out what you want to do, speak to your husband. And my wife got a phone call and she was telling me and something rose inside me. And that was back in the early days. So I wasn't really that confident to pray for people or whatever. And we'll, I remember clearly I was in the backyard playing with my son, playing footy. I said, we're going to see her right now. We walked inside, got in the car, drove there, sat there for 10 minutes. And then something just come upon me and I laid hands on her stomach. Went back to the doctor a month later. Is that a month later? They did another test a week later, a month later or something. It went from being one in 12 to nothing at all. It was one in 12. It wasn't like one in a thousand. It was one in 12. And they basically said, do you want to get rid of this kid? And that baby was born, healthy, 16, 17 years old. And I'm not saying that to impress you. I'm saying that, that I believe his report. See, even in my midst of my, you know, naivety and my, and my you know, my immaturity in the Lord, something grew on the inside of me that I could not explain. So let's get in the car and go because faith takes an action. Come on, somebody. Faith takes an action. We all got this idea that if God wants to heal me, he will. That's true. But God says that you're his hands and his feet. If he says go, go. If he says preach, preach. If he says give, give. Why? Where his hands and his feet. Don't sit there thinking predestination stuff where you just go, oh, God will do everything. If that was the case, then when Paul got struck off the horse, the road of Damascus, and God sent him blind, and he says, now go and see a black named Ananias, and Ananias will, will lay hands on you. And Ananias came and laid hands on him, and he got his sight back. Is that a true story or not? So was it God's will for him to get his sight back? So why didn't God just give him his sight? He could have, he took it off him, he can give it back to him. But he wanted to do something. There's a way he does things through us, the body of Christ. We get to participate with him. But we get a bit arrogant and think that it's us doing it. But we're not. We're just participating in what Jesus. Isn't it exciting? I'm 19, 20 years in the Lord. And I still get excited when someone gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. I still get excited like it was the first time someone gives their life to Jesus or gets healed from something. I still get excited like a little kid. Why? Because I'm in awe of what the Father has done for me. I'm in awe. And I can't be, you can't be like the lepers that says, quick, God's blessed us. Let's hide everything. And we'll come back and get it later. Now, what is a leper going to do with gold and silver? No one wants to go near him. Think about it. Then they thought, hang on. That's wrong what we're doing. We've got all these blessings that God has done, and we remain silent. Wow. Can I say something to you and encourage you? Not everyone's going to receive your report, and that's okay. They might slander you. That's okay. They might mock you. That's more than okay. But you do what's right in the sight of the Lord. It's not about how many numbers you get to the Lord or how many times you preach. Just be naturally supernatural and let the supernatural be as natural as I'm talking to you. Because God's waiting for a revival to break out this city. And we're going to see the hand of God move. 
He's looking for people to believe. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Father, we thank you for tonight. We love you. We honor you. We magnify you. We worship you. You are King. You are Lord. Father, we're humbled that we can sit at your feet, look upon the cross of Calvary, and see the victory of Calvary. And we can see the power of your resurrection. That you call us sons and daughters. We're no longer slaves. We're no longer servants. We are sons and daughters with a servant's heart. And Lord, you sent us the great Holy Spirit to teach us, to show us, and to guide us into truth. So Father, tonight I pray as we seek your face, as we venture into, we, we plant our feet. You know, there's a, when Moses went to the mountain, he says, take off your feet. There's a holy ground. But you know who else took off their sandals? Roman centurions when they fought. We've got this idea of Hollywood that they walked around with sandals and fought a battle. But they used to take off their sandals. Why? Because the sandals were too slippery when they fought in battle and rugged the ground. they take off their sandals and their feet would grip so they wouldn't slide. They were ready for battle. We take off our sandals because it's holy ground. Here's our victory. And we plant them firm in him to win the victory because it's already won in heaven. And whatever your struggles you're going through tonight, whatever pain you're going through tonight, I'm not denying it, but I'm just telling you, I believe a better report. Jesus is the better report. He'll give you instructions in every way. If you spend time with him, he'll give you line upon line and precept upon precept. He'll cut away dead limbs. He'll cut away dead moves of God. He'll cut away dead traditions that you're holding on to. He'll cut away dead, uh, even relationships that you're bound by, even thought patterns. He'll cut them all off and you see the glory of the Lord fall. Father, I thank you for that tonight. Lord, make us like those lepers that had the courage to go forward. Your word says, cowards do not enter the kingdom of God. But I pray and I prophesy over every person, no one here is a coward. But we're all filled with the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. And we exalt your name above every name. In the name of Jesus. Not by power and nor by might, but it's by your spirit, says the Lord of hosts. If anyone here does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, Reach out and touch him now. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But nothing convicts you more than your own heart and the Holy Spirit in there will show you that he's a great savior. Never given your life to Jesus. Surrender it. Die today to him that you may live. The floor is open for prayer, but honestly tonight, I want you to reach out and touch heaven for yourself. I thank you, Father, for this time with you, your presence. We love you, we honor you, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Um, just be just be wary. Um, downstairs, the church downstairs probably just started, so let's be careful with our noise levels. But stay in fellowship, guys. We love you guys. But actually, no, what? Get out because it's six o'clock. Um, sorry, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs>